0: Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Family Law Podcast, the podcast by, with, for, and about family law professionals. My name is Tom Tuft, and I'm a family law attorney and ADR provider at the law firm of Tuft, Locke, Jarepik, and O'Connell. I think we all sense that the courts are getting their feet under them and starting to move forward as we all are. I serve on the Second District Recovery Committee, and I know in a matter of days there will be significant advancement there. I know we've also received a letter from Judge Daly concerning what is going to be happening in Hennepin County. I serve on the statewide committee as well and all of all of the courts across Minnesota are being encouraged to move their cases forward using whatever tools may be available to them locally. That means there will be hearings on written submissions. There will be hearings with arguments via telephone and in certain areas hearings via video conference. In addition, there have been and will continue to be trials via video conference, despite serious concerns amongst both the bench and the bar. One of the court's goals is to minimize traffic through the courthouses, and that means that means using remote options wherever possible. I suspect long gone are the large cattle call hearing calendars, and massive calendars of criminal mixed with family, mixed with Conciliation court, and whatever else happens to need to be addressed on a given day. Long gone, also, are those cases where one side attempts to pack the gallery with family members and other supporters. We will certainly experience new frustrations as we we push bandwidth to the maximum and tax, tax cellular connections. Technology that is really not ready for prime time in the court setting will have to suffice. This presents tremendous challenges for family law professionals. While it's good to have the courts available to us, if necessary, it has always been better, in almost all cases, if families can resolve the issues themselves. We have significant resources that can be brought to bear, especially in the Twin Cities. There are opportunities for creative dispute resolution, use of experts, and other supports for our clients, including therapy and coaching. My guest has worn all of those hats and more, and all of them well. She is a parenting coach, educator, expert witnesses, as well as providing various forms of ADR services. She has served on the ADR Ethics Board. She has served as facilitator of Divorce Camp for many years. She founded her current company, Moxie Inc., in 1999, as it has worked in family law ever since. I am so pleased to welcome Dr. Kirsten Lisney. Kirsten, I so appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day uh, to join us. I know running a business and providing services to clients, uh, in addition to your recent appearance on uh, CARE 11 with Rena Sarginopoulos, are all uh, demands on your time. So I do appreciate you being here.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: One of the purposes of this podcast is to give other professionals ideas on how our colleagues are able to operate and what they're doing to face the challenges uh, presented by the need for social distancing. How are you operating?
1: Well... Uh... I and my firm, which is Moxie Incorporated, uh, we are continuing to offer all of our services virtually. So whether it's by phone or Zoom or other telehealth applications that allow us to offer therapy services uh, virtually or online, right, Uh, through a HIPAA secure website, Uh, we've been uh, continuing to provide virtually all of the services that we always did, just in a little slightly different way.
0: How are your clients handling the fact that you need to deliver services in different ways?
1: It's interesting. Uh, people's reactions have been interesting to me, and they are as varied as our clients are, I suppose. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback about people who, or from people who, are relieved that. They're able to have this easy access to services. A lot of folks who are saying, Why weren't we doing it like this all along? It's so easy to fit into my day where I can just, you know, step into a private room and have a, you know, coaching session uh, or, uh, you know, get some uh, work done that way. Um, uh, A lot of folks are really appreciating. Uh, Even for larger group meetings, like uh, mediations, uh, for example, or social early neutral evaluations, SENEs, which I've done both of online, um, people just being really grateful that, you know, it's not six people coming from various places around the metro all driving across town to try to get to the same meeting. You know, the ease of being able to meet with all of that parking and rigmarole, uh, commuting. Um, a lot of folks have really loved that, right? And thought, so I, I have a lot of thought about some of that as like, this really forced some people into having to try something they might otherwise have been reticent to try. And uh, then or they're finding they really like it. On the other hand, there are some folks who are more cautious or because of Uh, either the service or the circumstances, um, uh, there's reason to be cautious about using online services. I'm thinking in particular about people, uh, sometimes it's because they're kids, and sometimes it's just because of the home environment circumstances where, um, you know, the, the person who's trying to do the call or the virtual meeting doesn't feel confident that they are uh they can have a private space that you know somebody in their house isn't listening in i know in sort of mistrusting uh co-parents where um, you know parents uh, have a lot of broken trust between them or they've found that uh you know people have wondered uh you know is somebody else in the room but off camera on the other side is anybody recording this you know there are there have been some of those Uh, in cases that are like that, uh, some nervousness and probably appropriate nervousness around some of that. So we take precautions, you know, we, um, uh, you know, want to confirm ahead of time that things aren't being surreptitiously recorded and that there aren't, you know, we ask people to confirm that there aren't other people in the room or that the environment is is confidential. But, um, you know, we don't control that the way we do when it's in our office. You know, in our office, I know if anybody's outside the door, because <laughs> I have staff out there to tell me, and I don't in somebody's house, right? Yeah, so um, there's good and bad.
0: I had some of those challenges just today when, during a mediation, uh, the father was uh, had shifted rooms several times um, and seemed to be settled uh, privately into a, a certain room of his house and all of a sudden, a head popped up behind him, and he wasn't aware clearly. He was talking and explaining what he was thinking, and we could all see that one of the children had uh, popped up into the room and was in the picture.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I've had the same thing happen where I was talking to a parent um, who was using headphones. Um, uh, and then, you know, family members came through, she was talking from her kitchen, uh, and family members came through and, uh, you know, she was like, oh, they can't hear cause I'm on headphones. And I'm like, well, they can hear you. <laughs> right? So they're hearing half of it. So, you know, there's a, some of that too, of like, how are we going to problem solve around this? Where, you know, where is a confidential space? And, you know, sometimes people just not being vigilant or even like worried about something that professionally I'm more worried about.
0: I have a client who was very mindful of the concern about children being around and had a really helpful tip. Uh, She pointed out to me that Hilton and other uh, hotels were offering the use of their rooms as a home, essentially an office for the day. And for 50 bucks, you can kind of sit in one of those rooms. And so she used that one of those rooms for, uh, mediation sessions so she could sit there and know that the children were being watched by her mom. She was away from them, and it was a really good approach.
1: Interesting. I didn't know they were offering that. That's good. a good resource.
0: Each of the four professionals in your firm have a slightly different uh, area of expertise. Uh, How is everyone uh, doing under the circumstances?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're all, uh, um, hard at work. Uh, you know, we all, my practice is mostly coaching and mediation. And, um, I'm finding that that is, both of those, uh, are in very high demand right now because parents just want to brainstorm with a coach and sort of figure out how to come at this either, uh, you know, individual parents or teams, you know, sets of co-parents, Uh, saying, oh, we got to figure out how to do this new circumstance. Uh, Sometimes that is even uh, merging over into a mediation either with attorneys because, um, um, you know, the court access to the courts is diminished right now. Uh, but also some uh, parents uh, signing up for mediations without attorneys just coming in to say, we just need to make an agreement about, you know, some of these same COVID related things or, you know, summer schedules and plans in this time of uncertainty. Uh, but they just need a hosted discussion rather than they might have by themselves over the phone. Um, uh, uh, you know. Peggy uh, Cottrell in our practice is uh, also does those things, but also does some uh, therapy uh, with kids. Um, And so she's been my source of how is it going for kids finding privacy. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because that was our main concern, whether we're child consultants or kid therapists, like what is it going to be like for kids online? Uh, And really thinking that, you know, kids might be a little harder to read or more distant and um aside from the privacy concerns that i already spoke to um you know it's we're finding both of us have found that uh in our kid interviews that uh you know, kids can be pretty relaxed when they're lounging at home on their own bed or, you know, in their beanbag chair in their room and their dogs in their lap. And they're saying, hey, let me show you my this and let me show you my that. And, you know, you're going to see their real environment. And so there's, you know, there's some uh, pros in that that were unexpected. Uh, some upside. Um, um, the guys. Uh, um Michael Goldfarb and Matthew Shore both do custody evaluations, and that's the one I think, uh, in addition to other services, but that's the custody evaluation I think is the service that's the uh, trickiest to provide in this circumstance, because a component of that is home visits. And so um, those home visits obviously can't be done right now. Um, People aren't inviting um, non-family members into their house. And so um, there's restrictions on that. And so I think, you know, uh, we're working to get as much of that work done as can be done, um, and kind of just saving the finishing touches of the the home visit, uh, you know, for when we can safely do that. Uh, it has to be safe for the family and the provider, of course. So um, we'll see when that comes around. That's that's been the most complicated one to work around.
0: I know I've run into that concern around custody evaluations, and I'm honestly reluctant to have my clients start them uh, in light of the fact that. It could be several months potentially before uh, we're able to have home visits safely, and who knows, you know, how old the data from the initial work will be by the time uh, home visits are an opportunity again. So we've been having a lot of uh, internal discussions about, you know, when's the right time to hire a custody evaluator uh, in in light of the. Limitations on their ability to complete their work. I really appreciate the uh, an observation you made a few days ago when we were talking uh, in a different uh, venue. Uh, that it's unique that all of the people we're talking to are essentially eighteen inches from our face.
1: Yeah. I w- I was making a joke about that I can't wear my bifocals anymore because, you know, I'm getting a stiff neck trying to look out the bottom of my, like, the reading portion of my bifocals because all day long everything and everybody is 18 inches from my face. So I just have my reading glasses back on because I'm in Zoom meetings just looking at my screen all day. So, yeah, that was funny. But it is really true. You can... Um, it's funny. I find myself sometimes on zoom trying to make eye contact with someone and I realize they don't know that I'm trying to make eye contact with them. you right. But it's a human element of what, so that I, you know, you have to verbally sort of, so, oh, I'm seeing this, right. Or I'm, I'm, I'm really resonating. We do it with words instead, right. Trying to convert all your nonverbals into verbals. Um, uh, and how to, how to, look attentive when you're on screen, like this thing as a provider, If we're just looking down, taking notes on a tablet, that's not what it looks like on Zoom, you know, or to your your camera. It, you know, they're just seeing your forehead as you're looking away. They don't know that you're doing, you know, if you they could see your whole body, they'd be knowing you had a notebook in your lap and you were scribbling notes as fast as you could, and it would look like you were paying attention. On Zoom, it really doesn't. So you have to be thoughtful about. what the experience is of the client, right? Who's also trying to make eye contact with you <laughs> via Zoom, right? And build some of that connection and rapport. It's uh, I know some people get really self-conscious about seeing themselves on 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 the screen and they want to turn off their own video so they're not looking at themselves. And I think that's risky, right? Because you want to see how your client is seeing you. Right. You don't want to have that weird thing where, you know, they're seeing everything from your nose up um, and you think that you're smiling and resonating and they're just thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> don't you know how to use a camera? Uh, but also, right, like you can realize what you know when you're looking um when you think you're making eye contact and it looks, you can see yourself that you're, you know, it looks like you're looking away or, you know, you're writing notes and they're just seeing the top of your head. Like, oh, this might not be the best rapport building experience for that client. Um, So if you can look at yourself with the client in mind, not just your own self scrutiny, (laughs) it can be useful to be able to see yourself.
0: I know I find myself making a point of being transparent to people so I may, you know, grab a notepad from the side, and as I'm pulling it towards me, it's, I make sure it's visible to the, to the camera, and as I flip to my next page of notes, I'll make sure the, the page flips so they'll know I'm not uh, texting down below. I'm actually uh, taking notes um, or what I'm saying. Well, Kirsten, I see we're about at the end of the, our time. I certainly do appreciate you being so willing uh, to give up your time today to share your insights, both information about how your business is operating, and then also some ideas about how uh, clients are taking this. uh, Those things are helpful for us to think about in whatever practice area we're in. I know you'll be back next week. Uh, We're going to have another discussion. This one will be more uh, with you wearing your hat as a clinical psychologist. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to sharing that with our audience.
1: You bet. I'm sure I'll see you soon on zoom.
0: <laughs> it is always so nice to talk to Kirsten Lisney. Tomorrow we'll have on family law attorney, extraordinary Nancy Berg. Saturday we'll hear from our favorite mortgage expert, Mitch Irwin. Sunday family law attorney, Margot Sefker will join me to discuss parenting and practicing in a pandemic. Monday, Lisa Kalamine joins us to discuss the Anoka County perspective. And on Tuesday, Jack DeWalt will join me. Once again, we have come to the end of an episode. So to my family law colleagues, I say thanks for listening and I look forward to continuing these discussions. Now take care of yourself and your family so you can take care of your clients and your business.